0: Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? You dig it?
1: Um, and as I said, you know, opening that when you have competition, um, when we all have competition, it brings the best out of you, you know. Um, and anytime you add, you know, and, and that the makeup of those guys also helps that as well. So it's it's all in an effort to get better. Um, not only to improve you know, the skill set up front, but also just making the entire group function at a higher rate.
3: That was Ryan Poles talking about the Bears draft. The Bears have 11 new drafted players. Our guy Pete Futek, who does this sort of thing for College Football News, has got some thoughts on what the Bears did right and what they did wrong in this year's draft. He joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. And Pete has got a full breakdown on the Bears specifically on collegefootballnews.com. That's where you can check it out, but he's nice enough to come hang out with me. Pete, how are you, sir? And you're nice enough to have me on. How's, how's it going, Mr. Holmes? How you been? I've been good. You know, the White Sox have been stressing me out a little bit, but I, I walked away from the Bears draft with some thoughts. And, and look, the, the number one thing for me is they got lottery tickets. And I know that you, you yep. talked a little bit about that. Like, that them turning six picks to 11 isn't insignificant. Why is it not insignificant?
0: Strength in numbers. Look, and I, I've bothered you on this for years, but the day, and preached this as much as I possibly can. The NFL draft, in the first round, you have to really try to miss a regular starter, unless it's a quarterback, and the Bears obviously didn't have a first rounder. Second round, you got a 50/50 shot, historically and statistically, of getting a three-year good starter. third year it falls off. And after that, you might as well just be throwing stuff at the wall. So uh, the, the ridiculous stats on this is it's like you have a 10 percent shot outside of a kicker, or maybe a running back on the right year, uh, of getting a, a good, significant starter after the third round. So what you do is the more picks you take, you know, it's sales, it's, you know, bar time, it's anything. The more contacts you make, the better the chance you got to hit. So the, the way, considering the Bears didn't have a first rounder and considering they had all these late picks, they kind of did it right. I mean, if you need a position, just keep taking it. I mean, it would have been nice to get another wide receiver uh, outside of A.S. Jones, but All right. Obviously, secondary was a concern, and they took three three of them, a punter in the seventh round. I know it seems insignificant, but historically, again, that's the best possible value prospect you can get as a kicker and punter. And so with what they had to work with, it's a a good draft. It's a good haul.
3: I want to go through a few of the individuals on here. Let's start with, with Kyler Gordon, the cornerback out of Washington. What does he do well?
0: Number two guy last year, Trent McDuffie was the, the main corner for Washington. Uh, he's a good tackler, very you know, one, of the, one of those very good locker room guys, great personality, has a great uh, everything you kind of want in another corner, doesn't really have that diva thing going. Uh, and he's just a good sound player. And he came through time and again, because teams were trying to stay away from McDuffie. Uh, good tackler, just good sound player, and a, and a good fit there. It would not have been a, a total shocker had he gone late in the first round. And, it's, again, talking, forgetting you know, the guy, look at just the position. You needed a corner. It was a good time to get one because that's after the you know the, everyone just way overpaid a little bit for those early guys. They were starting to fall off. You still had Andrew Booth there on the board. He could, you know, flip a coin one way or another, but just a very good sound corner.
3: Has Jalen Johnson, like, lived up to what you thought he would be when the Bears drafted him out of Utah?
0: Again, you know, decent draft pick, but yeah, for the most part, all measurables, all tools, you know, that's what you kind of want. You want the guys who can fly around and, and can just get around the ball and have the NFL skills, and he's got that. I didn't think he was going to be a superstar or anything, but he's been a good, productive part of the puzzle. And again, I don't mean to, to keep preaching this way, but, but if you can just draft a good, sound starter, that's it. That, that You've done your job. Anything past that is kind of dumb luck, as the history is showing. Whether you get a pro bowler or get a, an all-pro, you know, if we if everyone knew Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt or, T- or Brady were going to do that, obviously they'd get picked earlier. But for what Jaden
3: Johnson's been, he's been he's been good. He's been a good, sound player. Pete Futek of collegefootballnews.com dot com is joining me. You can check out his breakdown of the Bears draft when he's done breaking down the Bears draft with me right here. Jaquan Brisker. I loved his tape. like that's the type yep. of player that they need they needed someone to play strong safety and he seems yep. to have decent ball skills what does he do well
0: yes yeah, just everything you just said and he's just another just sound pick he's not going to be a superstar he's not going to be the big flashy guy who's going to come up with 10 picks and uh the lights out hit he's just kind of always there and he's Forget the stats because they're not too eye-popping, but like you said with the table, you ever watched Penn State play? He was just always around the ball, and that's what you want. He's always ahead of everything. He was just able to make plays, and he's another sound pick at the right time. Safeties have been devalued for whatever reason through the years, and in this draft, Kyle Hamilton dropped. You had... Uh, a bunch of other key parts that dropped and to get him there in the second round, that's a good value pick at the right time and match him up with Gordon. And again, strength in numbers. If they, obviously the bears came into this concerned about secondary and with the wide the wide receivers around the board, you had other key positions on the board and they got two potential starters in the second round, which look, that's, that's it. That's everything. If you can get two guys who are that good, that sound and experienced and really, Again, not a lot of flash with these two. You're you're, you're not going to get the you know the Tron Diggs million plays or anything like this. But they are just going to be go out there and just be good parts of the puzzle.
3: And maybe a byproduct of this is that you know what position Brisker plays. Like he's not yes. a hybrid safety. He's a strong safety. Justin
0: Hill. Yeah, exactly. They like those guys who like part corner, part that you know, yeah, you know exactly what both these guys are going to do. You know, there's not, you're not going to move Kyler Gordon to free safety, and you're not really going to move Brisker around. But he does have the speed, he does have the skills to, to fit really pretty much every style. But he is good enough against the run where you don't have to put him as just purely a free safety.
3: How do you feel about Valus Jones? All right. You know, he's an interesting,
0: interesting prospect because he was a huge recruit. Uh, and just nobody could quite figure out how to utilize his skills until he got to Tennessee. And then all of a sudden he blew up in that offense, but that offense is a a little gimmicky under Josh Heifel, a yards after the catch guy. And that what he is more than anything else is a safety valve for Justin Fields. He's going to be a quick hitter, one read, get him the ball, get it up to him on the move and just let him go. So he's not going to be a number one overall receiver. He's not going to be a huge volume catch guy. But in this offense, when you've got a quarterback who's still trying to figure it all out, you know what he's going to do. Again, you know, right off the line, one, two, three, boom, get him the ball and hope for yards after the catch because he moves. I mean, he's a he's great in the open field, and that's exactly what this offense needs, considering. They, they didn't do anything really much else to help him out, at least in this draft. They didn't go for another tight end. They didn't go with any sort of possession receivers. They, you know, they didn't take any flyers on receivers late. So he's really sort of it in terms of going to be the guy who's going to, have to help make this offense go for a team that, that still probably needs to find receiver help somewhere else.
3: There's a player that you really like that, that you broke down and you talked about. I'm going to get to him in a second. I wanted to ask you about... Braxton Jones. Cuz in catching up and obviously he's playing at Southern Utah, so there's a competition level thing and you're watching some of the games that that he played against like UNLV or whatever. Every time I I felt like I was watching a guy that if he does not get better with his technique, he's going to be called for holding every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it that's there's your adjustment in speed uh speed of the game. Uh, but that's fixable, and he is just versatile enough where you can move him around where needed. Uh, tackles those dried up fast in this. This if you it, the the you it would be nice to get somebody a little bit earlier. Look for a fifth rounder. You're just hoping that he's good enough to find backup time somewhere in this mix. Uh, but you're right. He he is he's got the tools. It's just going to need a little while before he stops being a little bit of a mauler. Combine him with Zachary Thompson out of San Diego State. And if you get one of those two who can be a swing tackle, at least as a reserve, uh, then you've got something out of those two. Again, strength in numbers when it comes to prospects. You're throwing stuff at the wall and hoping one of them hits.
3: Okay, so let's talk about Zachary Thomas. Because you seem to like him out of San Diego State. Why do you like him?
0: Because what they did with that offense is it's all, it was all about the running game. You knew what was coming. They didn't have any semblance of a passing attack. And what he was able to do is be one of the key guys that they worked that offense behind. You knew you were running behind him. Uh, pass protection it's still iffy because they didn't have to do a whole lot of that. So that's not really going to be his 14 game, even though he can move uh, really well but he's got a nice combination of athleticism and power, and I, I just like the fact that whenever you watch San Diego State play, they ran the ball, and he was one of the key guys who made that thing all go.
3: College Football News is where you can find Pete Futek. He's really great on this stuff. He covers college football, and he's all over it. What did you take away from the draft? Like, What, what was a, a theme that you thought was interesting from this year's draft?
0: Nobody liked it. It was boring, uh, but it was an infrastructure draft, you know, infrastructure can be sexy. I mean, it's, it was okay. You had the pass rushers, but you had you know, last year it was all about those quarterbacks. You had all five of those big, big name quarterbacks. You had franchise changing picks. Uh, and this year you didn't have that. You didn't have the, you know, the real flashy guys. Of course the wide receivers were sort of interesting, but if you don't have quarterbacks going early, there just isn't enough interest in the draft. So But the positive about all that is when historically quarterbacks are the big bust in the first round, at least they don't give you what you want. So this first round is actually going to be really, really good because you have all these position players who are going to be starters. And then the big key is these other quarterbacks who slid. God, how fast is Ryan Tannehill going to be like an Indianapolis Colt or a Washington commander at some point? I mean, that Malik Willis going to Tennessee, that was big. Sam Howell going to Washington. That was a thing. You know, Kenny Pickett going to Pittsburgh. Okay, at the time, it seemed like, okay, great value. But then you see where these other quarterbacks went. And Pittsburgh's probably looking around the room being like, hey, uh, y'all didn't want a quarterback here? Was, okay. It's, so the value in these quarterbacks just dropped. So overall, this is a really good, really sound draft. And just people weren't all didn't seem all that interested in it. I can tell from – stats on the site and just overall general interest however everyone's going to be jacked for next year because that's when C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Will Anderson and that's where you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba this is where the real stars come out and the crazy part about next year is if you took like the five or six top guys for 2023 and put them in this draft Trayvon Walker is like the seventh pick you know so wow. the, the real stars are still in college
3: well, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the situation with the quarterbacks because I wanted to ask you about that. Specifically, we see every year people go, oh, well, I got to get a quarterback, so I'm going to elevate this quarterback beyond where that quarterback should actually be drafted. I thought that outside of Pittsburgh, the NFL told you exactly how bad they think all of these quarterbacks are, and I was surprised at... at them not allowing themselves to jump up and say, we got to get a quarterback because we got to get a quarterback. I was shocked by that.
0: You and I are on year, I believe, 12 of arguing about this where you dog the quarterbacks, and I keep telling you you're in the midst of the greatest quarterback play in the history of the sport. And with the NFL is also telling you, who needs a quarterback? I mean, of course, Drew Locke isn't anything special, but he, he starts. You know, give me the team out there that absolutely – desperately desperately had to go quarterback especially considering Baker Mayfield all right he's not gonna be Aaron Rodgers or anything but he's still out there uh apparently Carolina actually likes Sam Darnold at least they're saying that so if you look around the room you know there's just not a lot of jobs open there's not I don't want to say quarterback is the new running back but where are the teams that absolutely came into this draft said we've Got to have a quarterback. And even Pittsburgh, like Mitchell Trubisky, to a certain extent, can at least start. I mean, somebody. But you're right. One, these quarterbacks just weren't that great. Two, everyone seems to have a quarterback. And three, read the overall room. Who's winning Super Bowl? It's the team that's mortgaging everything to get the great defense and the great rest of the parts, and then you get Matt Stafford. Or you have the great defensive guys in place and the nice offensive front, and, oh, yeah, you got TB12 coming down to Tampa Bay. So if you're a super a team that's on the verge of winning a Super Bowl, they, we've learned get all the other parts in place, and then you go find your quarterback and go from there. But when you have, you know, and last game who's playing fantasy going into the next year. You know, Deshaun Watson. Look what Tua has to work with uh, there in Miami. Uh, just the, the wide receivers that are coming off the board all over the way. Everyone's got receivers. Everyone's got quarterbacks, and they're just saying that these guys are just kind of eh. And the stars came out last year and they are coming out next year.
3: You said that this was an infrastructure draft. I, I like that that depiction of it. I think it actually makes a lot of sense. In this infrastructure draft, is there anyone that you any team that you thought did a great job of not just getting stars but filling needs? Baltimore had a
0: historically awesome draft. And look, it's always silly to be like, oh, who, you know, who won, who lost it? Because obviously you don't know for three to five years if these drafts actually work. But in terms of value, in terms of getting guys who make sense, in terms of guys who at least, according to the rest of the world, got right value at the right time, who every pick you said, oh, yeah, there's a guy who slid and it makes a ton of sense because he went to Baltimore. You know, Tyler Linderbaum, every NFL guy, would say that Kyle Linderbaum is a starting center immediately in this draft. I offensive linemen are very hit or miss, but at least for the moment, getting him to slide there was absolutely awesome for Baltimore. What they were able to do in pick after pick, after pick, it was insane how much value they were able to continue to get over and over and over again. Uh, just from Kyle Hamilton, Find a person out there who didn't think that he was, be any NFL guy who didn't think he was one of the five best players in this draft, if not number one. He slid to 14. David Ojabo. I kind of thought the Bears should have gone for him and waited a year because when that heel killed, healed, that's a top 15, if not top 10, overall pick as a pure pass rusher. He slid down. Travis Jones of UConn. That third round is ridiculous for that guy in a draft that did nothing in defensive tackle. Daniel Pellet from Minnesota, the 384-pound guy. I thought he would have been perfect for, like, a Pittsburgh in the first round. And on and on and on. They kept nailing their picks. And it just they did everything perfectly in this draft. Whether it works or not, we know how it works. Half of them are going to bust. You know, a couple are just going to be all right. There's going to be one good guy. But in terms of just the draft and the value and the timing, they crushed this thing.
3: Before I let you go, I, I want to ask you like a, a big-picture college football question. I've noticed that there's a lot of chatter on Twitter and Instagram and CBS Sports HQ and wherever you get your college football stuff about the unintended consequences of NIL. How worried are people in college football about the genie now being out of the bottle and not having control over NIL? Let's
0: put it this way. All they're tapping is... It's now out in the open. It's not like these guys were just going to a certain school because they had a good psych department. It's, it's fine. It's actually the players have, the players have control now. They have some. They have, they have. They're able to actually get paid. And actually, the crazy part about this, not to kind of do a half pivot because this this does revolve around the draft in a couple ways, is that. It's the perfect scenario for colleges in the NCAA. They just have to – they fell ass backwards into this. They get free labor that they don't have to pay for. These guys are getting paid, and they're not on a salary. It's the perfect business model for college athletics. And for all the – you know—the Mark Emmer just leaving the NCAA and everyone dogging. him. But look, it's, it's healthier than it's ever been. It's made, the sport's making more money. There's more interest. The product is great. NIL is okay. Everyone has to just get kind of used to how this works. They are going to have to tweak the transfer portal. Now, where this involves the draft is more and more guys, if you're getting NIL money and you're maybe a fringish late pick, you might stay around in college. Because the, the sincere McCormick, this guy at Utah, 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 Texas San Antonio, they're a great running back for them. I thought he was going to be drafted mid round. He's a good back. Didn't get drafted. Last time I checked, he's still trying to wait and see where he's going. might be Miami. But like, there was a guy who, had he stayed in school, he would have been a preseason All-American. He would have gotten some sort of NIL money. He had an agent. And he could have gotten something for this. So I do think more and more you are going to see players stick around because they're going to get paid in that way. And it's okay. It's, everything's going to be fine. As soon as the ball gets kicked off, everything's going to be fine. And it doesn't matter if there's NIL or not. It's going to be Alabama versus some other SEC team in the national championship. It just it's different. They're just going to get there in a different sort of way.
3: Pete, as always, I appreciate the time and the perspective. Collegefootballnews.com, what's something that people that are clicking on should be looking for?
0: Well, right now we have a draft for another day and a half or so because we ranked all the, the drafts based on value and where these teams how well these teams did. Got the pro prospects up there for next year when the draft really is going to be far more interesting. And then it's on. Then it's, you know, we start with all the rankings and all the fun stuff for the college football offseason because uh, it's coming faster than we think if summer ever gets here and we get that first. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we, we get to have all the fun offseason stuff now.
3: Yeah, I mean, all of the spring games are done, and now we start getting getting ready for. The and now, fall. by
0: the way, to your point, what the fun part about this now? God bless anybody who's trying to do a print preview or anything, because the depth charts with the transfer portal now, as soon as you're a number two guy in a depth chart, you're gone. This is a cra- this is going to be the craziest college football offseason ever.
3: I think you're correct about that, Pete. As always, I appreciate the time, sir. Later, man. That is Pete Futek of College Football News. Read it, collegefootballnews.com. When we come back, Marcus Stroman was really, really good yesterday, and he has been for his last couple of starts. I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about that, maybe throwing some more stuff on the draft. Next, here on The Score. We get it. Attention
2: spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for the Cubs Minute. Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. Fly the W!
1: Wrigleyville, fans are awesome. Great food. It's, you know, stuff to beat.
2: Cubbies. The Cubs Minute on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. Here's the pitch. Wisdom swings, cracks one in the air, deep left field. Going back is Taylor. He looks up, and the no hitter and the perfect game are over. Patrick Wisdom goes yard, and the Cubs have the lead. One to nothing over the Brewers here in the fifth inning. Now that's a way to get off the schneid.
1: Now the 0 2.
2: Cracked on the ground. Fair. Inside third. Down the left field line. It's going to roll all the way into the corner. Rivas racing to third. Chasing it down as Yelich. Rivas heading to the plate. He will score. Run scoring double. Seiya Suzuki. Cubs lead 2 to nothing. Swing and a miss. Cubs win the ball game. He struck him out on a curve ball. And the Cubs beat Milwaukee by a score of 2 to nothing.
3: The Cubs did beat Milwaukee yesterday 2-0 behind Marcus Stroman, which I'll get to in a minute, but know that between now and the end of the show, we are going to give away a pair of tickets to see the Cubs take on the South Siders on Wednesday at Wrigley Field. All right? So keep this num- write this number down. Do not call it right now. Write this number down. 312 540 0670. 312 540 0670. And then you will be prompted to call that number. And if you're the right caller, we're going to give you a pair of tickets to see the Cubs take on the Southsiders on Wednesday. Okay. Great. Now let's talk about Marcus Stroman. Stroman over his last two starts, has been really good. Two back-to-back quality starts for him, and you see him only give up a couple earned runs in that stretch, 13 innings and two earned runs for him, eight total strikeouts, more so yesterday, 90 pitches for Strowman in the game, good ground ball rate, you have Milwaukee pounding the ball into the ground, and that gives you a better chance to win games. Mechanically, he was a little bit off in his first start, which is why his first couple of starts, which is why they looked clunky. But the last two starts have been tremendous. Ian Hap was on the score earlier today, and Dan asked Ian about Marcus Stroman playing behind him and what type of guy he is.
1: Yeah, I mean that's super impressive what he did yesterday. I think that's um, that's what he expects out of himself. Um, is going out there, that rhythm, the energy, um, the consistency of of pitch quality. Uh, Yesterday, uh, him and Jan had a really good thing going, looked and felt like um, hitting his spots the whole day and um, not really fighting his mechanics, being really fluid through the whole process. So that was awesome to see. It was fun to watch. Um,
2: I think that's what he expects going forward. Well, he's had a reputation, too, about maybe not being so easy on the defense behind him. How? What kind of discussions does he have in games, throughout games? Is he actively discussing the way certain hitters are being played? What is the the interplay like between innings with him?
1: Yeah, honestly, there hasn't been uh, much that I've heard um, so far. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any infield discussions, but I know he is somebody who kind of Um, he understands where his fielders are um, before he throws pitches, before he attacks guys. So he he does do a good job of scanning the field and understanding where guys are being played um, because I think he has a really good sense for how his pitches are going to be put in play by certain guys, part of his routine and study.
3: Yeah, because pitching and defense kind of go together. So you want to try and pitch into the strength of your defense. I understand that quite a bit. If you're looking at the pitch mix for Marcus Stroman, He's thrown more sliders than sinkers over his last couple of starts. It looks like he's gotten a better feel for that slider, and he's getting more ground balls because of it. He retired the last 14 batters that he saw in yesterday's game. My feeling on the Cubs, it's been my thing the whole time leading up into the season. Once we got the, the lockout out of the way, my issue with the Cubs was, hey, if you can get Hendricks and Strowman knowing that those two guys are going to give you a chance to win in every single game, then you're going to be all right. Then you're going to be in a position to maybe add if in the middle of the season or whatever. They both kind of had, have had these kind of jumpy starts to things, and you look at Hendricks so far, he hasn't had the type of season that you would want for him to have yet obviously there's still a ton of time for him but when you start looking at some of the starts that Kyle has had it's it's not ideal for what you're hoping your number one guy does so like you you look in here there's too much of the oh my gods there's he's had five starts this year three of them been okay and then one of them has been great and then two of them have been, oh, my God, he only went three and two-thirds or he only went four and a third, and he gave up six runs both of those times, which is why his ERA is, is in the mid-fives right now. But if they can trust Stroman and Hendricks as they're developing like the rest of their pitching staff and throw in Drew Smiley if you want, that'll give them a chance. I, I, I do wonder if... Uh, if Cubs fans are enjoying their their Nick Madrigal experience right now because it hasn't been great, he'll he'll hit singles eventually. Eventually, he'll hit some singles. Let me go back to the draft real quick because I want to talk about this. I want to talk about uh, Valus Jones Jr., the wide receiver out of Tennessee. I am intrigued by him intrigued just because he seems like the type of receiver. Let me, for the folks that are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Kyra six, seven, the score. Besides my Diz bobblehead, you'll see me doing air quotes on receiver. We're finding more and more of these players that can do a little bit of everything. And then they're, their teams decide, well, yeah, let's have them do a little bit of everything. The two names that were brought up in conversation about Jones was one, Tyreek Hill, and Ryan Poles had made mention of how people thought that Hill was just going to be a returner. And look at what he's turned into, you know, the highest paid wide receiver or whatever for now. You know how that goes. It changes every week. And then the other name is Debo Samuels, and that name has been ringing bells over the last week in the NFL because Debo doesn't want to be used like a hybrid player and then paid like a running back. He wants to be like that value that you're getting because I'm a wide receiver that can also line up in the backfield and run out of the backfield as well as any running back. I think he led the NFL last year in yards per attempt. NFL offenses are looking more and more for guys like this. If you didn't look at the Jones tape, I want you to go back and look at it today. What impressed me about it is the creative ways that Tennessee found to get him open and to get him the ball in space which allowed some of that natural playmaking ability to take over. I liked I liked where they lined him up. I liked the different things that they did and the type of havoc that that can cause. Like he's not a a he's definitely not an X and he's really not a Y receiver. But lining that guy up in the slot and then working off of your X or your Y, I think could be a lot of fun. Like he strikes me as, as the type of player that we're going to be talking about years from now. Is like, man, that guy is really valuable. And maybe the, the statistics aren't eye-popping, but the things that he can do to a defense where he puts stress on them, because he does have pretty decent speed, he can challenge the top of a defense, but he's a guy that will make plays with the ball in his hands, and that that to me is exciting. I know that there are Bears fans who are like, they really needed more wide receivers, and you're correct. Don't let anyone move you off of that point, because you're right. I still walked away from their draft going, okay, like I, I understand what the goal was, and the goal seemed to be let's get more shots at this. Let's try to pick up as many bodies as we can. Let's add them to what it is that we want to do and 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 see if we can find some gold. Mining for gold. I love the first two picks. I'm intrigued by the third pick. And the more I watch on Dominique Robinson, I'm like, yeah, I like some of the stuff that's going on there. And we'll start to figure this out, obviously, as they start to play games. The schedule come out next week too. People be going crazy. They're gonna go six and eleven. That's right, seventeen games now, right? Yeah, that's it. But yeah, that was my conclusion. Like, I spent last night. I was like, man, I'm surprised that the NBA didn't have any. Primetime games scheduled last night. I, I was shocked by that. And I said, oh, well then I can just look at tape. So that's what I did. And those were some of the conclusions I came to on it. We're gonna take a break. I want to talk Bulls and NBA next here on the score. Hey caller six to the score contest line, which is three one two five four zero zero six seven zero. You're going to win a pair of tickets to see the Cubs take on the Southsiders on Wednesday. You can get all your Cubs tickets over at Cubs.com. Caller 6 to the contest line. Don't bother studs. He's doing stuff. Watching the NBA playoffs yesterday, listening to them too, it was interesting because I was wondering, was Giannis going to be able to do what Giannis did to the Bulls against the Celtics who are really good defensive team and yeah he did like all the stuff to the Celtics that he did to the Bulls including bullying them in the lane throwing an alley-oop to himself off the backboard and triple doubling them that Milwaukee team even without Chris Middleton is a problem and when Chris Middleton gets back in a couple weeks they're going to be even more of a problem I, I am loving the playoff basketball, and I'm looking forward to it tonight. I'm rolling with Memphis. Like that's my my squad now that the Bulls are out of it. And I think they missed the chance yesterday because that Golden State team is, is back to being deep and dangerous. Clay and Steph are back together. Draymond's doing all the weird stuff. And, and they found some pieces that is going to extend the basketball life. Plus, I think they have an excellent coach in Steve Kerr. But Memphis is my my squad, man. I like the way that they roll. I like the way they defend. Desmond Bain is a problem. Ja Morant is really good. I think this series goes deep, but I thought that Memphis really missed out on a chance to take control of this series. We'll see if they can bounce back in game two, but Steph and Clay, man, hard to bet against them, but yet somehow I, I have. Parkins and Spiegel are back together you're going to hear from them next here on The Score.
2: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?